Good evening and welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast. As always, we are brought to you by Five Reason Sports. You can find us on Twitter at the number Five Reason Sports. You can find the podcast itself on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod. Today is Monday, May 11th, and the big news from the last time we've taped uh, is that one Tulua Tug of Iola. I think I, uh, I practiced that about three or four times, but I, I still think I messed it up. But uh, to his younger brother, uh, the former Alabama quarterback, who of course was drafted by the Miami Dolphins, his younger brother backed up last year as well. And there's anyone uh, who kind of is familiar with the, the uh, Tug of Iola family knows that they are very close knit. So it is anticipated that they will be making the move from Alabama. I believe they are living, resigned at the time in Birmingham, and they'll be making the, the, uh, the move down to South Florida. The family actually moved from Hawaii to Alabama to see Tua play. So that kind of gives you an indication as to how close and how tight-knit the family is. So we have a special guest on the line who will kind of uh, give some insight as to what the circumstances are and what the chances are that he may end up with either FAU or FIU. But really quick before we do that, I didn't want to say thank you to everyone who submitted a question. We got a lot of positive feedback from our Q&A episode, which is the last episode we taped. And we're going to try to do more things like that throughout the offseason. It's obviously been, you know, kind of a unique, weird, I don't know, you know, which, how many more verbs I can use to describe what the offseason has been like. But we're going to try to keep you guys involved. You know, that way kind of takes some of the pressure off of us, just kind of regurgitating all our thoughts and ideas about the program. We want to keep you guys engaged. We want to keep, make this thing as really interactive as possible. We're doing this for you guys. It's really the FAU and FIU pod, so it's all for you. So thank you for those questions, and thanks for all the positive feedback we got with that. But with that being said, without further delay, let me go and introduce our guest. He is a writer for Roll Tide Wire, covers the Alabama Crimson Tide for USA Today, and he also is, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, he is a native of uh, Dade County. Mr. AJ Spur. AJ, how's it going, my man? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you guys for uh, having me on. And that's right, native to South Florida. Kendall, if we want to get specific with it. But, yep, uh, grew up calling FIU, actually, um, my my favorite program, funny enough. <laughs> so this kind of begs the question, just to kind of uh, give you an introduction. Uh, we have, I, I realize I kind of skipped over that in my uh, my little intro there. We have... Shane Marinelli, who is our FAU superfan slash high school recruiting expert for the FAU Owls Nest. And we've also got David Hondell, who is our FIU superfan slash FIU grad. I'm sure they will have some questions for you after this in a second. But I uh, just want to kind of let you lead it off here before we get into your article, man. Um, how do you end up going from Kendall to uh, Tuscaloosa? And did you at any point in time consider going to one Florida Atlantic or Florida International University? Um. So coming out of high school, I attended Ransom Everglades down in Coconut Grove, so pretty far from Kendall. So, you know, just going to school close to home really wasn't something I was looking to do. I had applied to FIU. I had strongly considered FIU. Both my parents are alumnus of FIU, but I wanted to go somewhere that was, you know, bigger. It was spirited and just a, a change of scenery from South Florida. And, you know, I'll get into this when we start talking about Talia, but there's not much uh, more change you can get to go from South Florida to, um, you know, central Alabama. No doubt about that. I can absolutely attest it. It was my first time actually in Alabama when uh, I covered FIU's bowl game up there in Montgomery for the Camellia Bowl. And uh, yeah, I actually made the drive from, from South Florida all the way up to 
to Montgomery. And that was a unique experience in itself. Just, you know, like it, uh, it, it's, uh, it's an understatement if you say South Florida to Alabama, the, uh, the stark change, man. But I uh, uh, want to go ahead and get into your article here, man. You know, you wrote something I, I believe you wrote. I don't have the date here, but I know you wrote it last week when you uh, talked about the top five transfer articles. Actually, you wrote it here on May 9th. So that would have been two days ago. Um, the top mm-hmm. five transfer destinations for uh, Talia Tugaviola. And, uh, you know, with all this due respect to the Oregon and Tennessee mentions there, we're going to kind of cast those to the side for a second and just talk about the two uh, South Florida teams as well as the Hurricanes as well. We'll mention them just for a brief moment. Um, I'm sure the FIU fans will want to hear what reasoning you have them at number one. But just kind of let's talk about your article a little bit and, and what your reasoning was for including the Owls and Panthers in your list. Well, I'll start off by mentioning, you know, out of those three, the, the South Florida program that I think he's least likely to attend, it's FAU. Um, and real quick, the, the schools that I listed on this article are mainly schools that I think he will go to and, and will strongly consider. You know, some of these I don't agree with. Like the FAU one was probably the one on here. It's funny because I put Oregon. But I don't think that there's, you know, a strong chance he goes to FAU mainly because of, of Chris Robinson. And I think that if he does come to South Florida to be closer to his family, which we've seen him do as he went from Honolulu all the way to Alabaster, Alabama, um, I think if he's going to be close to family, he's going to want to be real close to family. And on top of, you know, the fact that um, Chris Robinson appears to be, and granted, I'm not, you know, the FAU expert here, um, I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to want to be with Willie Taggart. Um, especially after what had happened at FSU. I, I just don't see FAU being a program to where he can go from, you know, I mentioned in the article, how can you go from one of the uh, most winningest and most storied programs in college football history to a group of five team? And I think it's definitely possible, as I mentioned with FA, FIU, which is my strongest choice. But um, I, I just don't see FAU being in the cards right now, but I could see why he would consider it. Sure, sure, absolutely. So just a uh, real quick part, open up to David and Shane, because I'm sure they will have a couple of questions. We'll start as soon as you uh, finish. I'll start with Shane to take the FAU perspective, and then we'll toss to David for the FIU uh, questioning. What was, you know, so we'll take, you kind of discussed FAU there. Um, what was your reasoning as far as FIU? And then um, if you wouldn't mind after that, just give us a quick little hit on, you know, your thoughts on his potential heading to the other school in Miami, over in Coral Gables, being the Hurricanes. I figured this out once I started tweeting about Talia going to FIU over UM. I didn't know that people down here called UM a UCG, University of Coral Gables. That that was a that was pretty funny to me. But my reasoning for FIU, I guess I'll just get right into that. You know, Butch Davis over the last three NFL drafts uh, produced two drafted quarterbacks. Granted, in the fourth and seventh round, so not all too high up, but still drafted. I think Butch Davis carries a name that no matter where he went in college football, you know, I, I think it, it means something to recruits. And he's shown that while at F- FIU, I, I keep wanting to say FAU for FIU and FIU for FAU, so forgive me if I mess anything up here. But I think that he's proven that he's wanting to create something special at a Florida International. And I think that, you know, earlier we had mentioned – um FIU Stadium and the possibility of building a new one, and what they have to do is get fans in the seats. Well, for FIU, I think that they're going to recruit Talia hard during this process because, you know, there's a quarterback vacuum right now with James Morgan being gone. I think that Talia would be a step up from anything that they currently have um, that would be competing for the starting role should he not be there. 
I think that his not his last name alone would be enough to get fans in the seats there. Granted, he's not his brother. You know, his um, high school quarterback in Birmingham um, even said he's not Tua. You cannot compare him to Tua. That's not to say he doesn't have strength of his own, but he's not his brother. And there's a reason as to why he's leading Alabama. I mean, there's Mac Jones and Bryce Young. We're talking a three-star um, redshirt junior or redshirt senior, uh, sorry, and then a five-star freshman coming in from California. You know, he couldn't compete with that. Tua, maybe he could have. We're not really sure. All he had was Jalen Hurts to compete against, which is still strong competition. So I think that Talia would, you know, rather go to FIU with a uh, guaranteed starting job, a um, strong head coach that wants to move the program forward. And, you know, being in Miami, he has his direct family right there, assuming that they do move to South Florida, which I don't know why they wouldn't. Um, and also, I know that the Tonga Bailoas have family in South Florida, specifically Miami already. So if you're going to go to South Florida, go all the way. And that would leave um, Miami and FIU as the only two options remaining. And I guess I'll get into Miami in a little bit. But I think that FIU is the uh, best program for him at this point. I think you can, I think you can kind of make that argument. Uh, you know, I do think FIU is the, you know, the odds-on favorite here. Now, just a couple of things to push back on. We're kind of talking about how close do they um, really want to be. I mean, I, if you actually go by Dolphin, depending on where Tua lives and where the family lives, you know, uh, you can make the argument if you're at Dolphin's training camp that Boca is actually even closer of a drive mm-hmm. than FIU. If we're, ta- if we're just really breaking down 15 or 20 minutes of traffic, we won't get into that. Um, I guess my first question is, when you know, I know a lot of us are teeing in on the Florida schools, even talking about UCF a little bit with kind of the Hawaiian quarterback connection. Are we maybe being a little misguided here and that maybe, you know, everyone's under the assumption that he's transferring while his brother's down here or, or is he maybe more open to some other schools around the country? And this is more of just a product of him transferring out because Bryce Young showed up. Well, to, to answer that, it's funny because as of recently, I've been on the side of, you know, this is a college sophomore. He's 19, about to turn 20 years old. And you think to yourself, who would want to travel across, across the country to uh, live your college life, especially as a starting quarterback of, of school, assume, assuming he's able to get the starting job wherever he goes? Who would want to do that with your parents, you know, right next door? Um, and I've thought about this, and that's why I even included Tennessee and Oregon, assuming that he doesn't want to go down to South Florida. He can play at a school that's competitive and, you know, not even remotely close to home. But the answer to the question of who would want to do that right next to your parents, the tongue of our lowest is the right answer for that. I mean, like I said, they went from Honolulu to Alabaster. And Talia, playing-wise, he had no problem doing it. So I don't think that there's going to be an issue wherever he goes, whether it's FIU, Oregon, or if he goes somewhere even up north. Um, but, you know, there's no this, guarantee really that he's going to want to be right next to his family. But just based on how they are, you know, I, I could definitely see that happening. And it's also key to note that Galu Tungvaluwa, their father, even said a couple months ago that he's planning on staying in Tuscaloosa to fight for that starting job. So I really think he took it all the way to the very end there to when he knew that he wasn't in the running uh, for that position to, uh, to go ahead and leave. So just a quick question, just a point of uh, fact. I just make sure I have my facts correct. Talia was technically red-shirted 
last year, correct? I, I didn't he get he I know he got time in maybe one or two games, but he did earn a red shirt last year. Um, you know, this is this is funny because when I was writing the article, I was trying to figure out technically what he would be because he did play in three games and you know the NCAA rule is once you reach four games, you you lose your red shirt. So I'm not sure whether he does actually so, retain that red shirt, but I would assume that yes, he does have four years of eligibility oh. remaining. Yeah, so even if he has to sit out this year, he would still have three years after that. And I, I know in just, and I talked about this on the Owl's Nest podcast, you know, everyone is kind of under the assumption FAU's quarterback room is pretty full right now, but be kind of behind Chris, there's a lot of question marks. And, you know, I, I think an easy sell could be, hey, Chris could leave after this year. A lot of people assume mm-hmm. he's not. We've seen weird situations leave. So, you know, everyone assumes a quarterback room is full until in 2020 when, you know, half the quarterbacks transfer year in and year out anyways, and guys leave early to the draft all the time. You know, I just wonder if that, you know, if, hey, maybe you have to sit for a year or two, would we factor into the decision as much? Especially at this point, who, I don't know if he'll be able to get a waiver. He's going to have to sit year, one year anyways. Um, the only thing that I would have to say about the waiver is, you know, uh, May 20th coming up here, the NCAA does vote on the one-time waiver, um, which would allow players to transfer one time and be immediately eligible. And if that does pass, which some people are thinking that it'll be, you know, close to unanimous as far as that voting is concerned, if that's the case and he is eligible to play immediately, then, you know, that opens up a whole new, um, Pandora's box of where he could go. Would, would but, that take effect? Okay. Would that take I'm effect sorry? this year? Would that take effect this year? Wouldn't that be players for? Uh, would that take effect for players that transferred this year? That one-time transfer. From from what I know, it would take effect for the 2020-2021 season. So this this upcoming one, I think it would just be immediately effective to where anybody that would sit this upcoming year would would be able to play. Wow, but that's, um, that's that's make that's a huge difference maker. But regarding your uh, your take on Chris Robinson potentially leaving after this upcoming year, uh, even if Talia does have to sit, and like you said, there's question marks sitting behind Chris. I would think that just based on what he's gone through here at Alabama, because he had the expectation of living up to his brother, and maybe he will be able to do that. And you know surpass what his brother was able to do. We're not sure yet because we haven't given him the opportunities, but I think what he's going to want to do is go to a place with um, as little question marks as possible as far as his ability to get on the field and showcase what he's able to do. And, you know, like I said, I'm no expert on any of the Florida schools, whether it be FAU or FIU, but just from what I know and what I've been able to research, I think that the school with the least amount of question marks is with Butch Davis at uh, FIU. Well, I do like to say that. Um, go, go, go ahead, David. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm the resident FIU fan here, and, and I'm also uh, born and raised in Kendall, so us Kendall boys, I like that. Um, I, my question's more about what, you know, obviously you said you reasons why he would come to either FIU or, you know, wherever. What are what are his biggest strengths and his biggest weaknesses, personally? Um, so this is something that's actually really interesting. One of his biggest strengths is something that 
or it's the fact that he can play wherever, whenever, like I referenced a couple of times here. He went from Honolulu to Alabaster. And in his first two seasons, he transferred after his uh, sophomore year of high school. You know, I'm going to read you his uh, stats from his first two seasons compared to his last two. 6,703 yards and 64 touchdowns in his freshman and sophomore season in Hawaii. He then takes his talents to Alabama and play and gets uh, 7,504 passing yards with 71 touchdowns. I mean, he improved slightly, but overall that's pretty consistent after going from Hawaii to Alabama. So I think now, you know, wherever you put him, he's going to succeed. But on top of that, he was a four-star uh, pro-style quarterback. He has a really strong arm. I mean, this kid throws line drives, you know, when he's passing the ball. And his brother is known for, you know, those deep, risky passes, but that accuracy, while Talia does have the strength, I would say that he doesn't match his brother's accuracy. And also his pocket presence and pocket awareness is not there yet. But I do think that, you know, he's so young. I think this is something that he can improve upon and they'll be able to work with him on. But for right now, I would say that his only strengths really are uh, being able to play wherever, whenever, and that super, super strong arm. Yeah, David, someone's kind of pick up right there. And, and, you know, AJ, you kind of mentioned off the top that you're not the foremost expert in FAU or FIU. So I've got a couple of questions as someone who covers the team and has covered the team for the past two and a half years, referring to the Panthers. Mm -hmm. I've had a chance to talk, you know, in depth with Butch Davis and offensive coordinator Rich Skrowski. I mean, specifically over the past 10 to 14 days, just about their offensive philosophy because of the stat that you just mentioned, which that, FIU has sent quarterbacks, back-to-back quarterbacks to the NFL, and offensive coordinator Rich Skrowski at all of his FBS, FBS excuse me, stops has sent a quarterback to the NFL. One of the things that both men were adamant about, and I've never heard, and, you know, AJ, you know this is someone who, who covers a program in depth. You know, I, it's probably a different level dealing with the uh, Alabama coaches and Nick Saban. Uh, there's not that much media coverage outside of myself and uh, Walter Bia for the Heralds of FIU. But still, coaches are, you know, especially older school coaches tend to be the same in terms of, it's very rare that they're quite candid in terms of just, you know, their philosophy about certain things. And mm-hmm. Butch Davis said to me, I believe it was Wednesday, that, you know, one of the things he looked for when he was hiring Rich Grosky was that the offensive coordinator, the head coach, needs to have the same philosophy about quarterback play. And he specified that, hey, I'm not looking for any 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", gun run, you know, guys who are electric, you know, type of quarterbacks. And from what I'm hearing with you, because, you know, self-admittedly, as someone who covers Conference USA, I do not get a chance to watch as much Power 5 football as I would like. You know, the, the sites that I work for, Destination, Underdog Dynasty, we specialize mm-hmm. in G5 football. So I don't get a chance to watch a lot of SEC and Power 5 football as a whole. But from what I'm hearing from you, it, it sounds to me that despite Talia's uh, small stature, I believe he's listed at 5'11". I know some of us kind of banter off, off air that he may be 5'10". Um, that he can be a pro-style kind of pocket passer. Is that correct? A hundred percent. I can't even see him um, being a mobile quarterback. Uh, like I said, it's funny that he's a pro-style. He loves sitting in the pocket. He will take off every now and then, but his decision-making is just not there yet to where even in the spring games when I saw him play, you know, and he would leave the pocket, he wasn't going very far. He, he really wasn't sure where to go. And, and that's not his fault. He's just young and maybe hasn't been coached enough to the point where he's ready to make those kinds of decisions. But yeah, I, I have heard that he's 5'10", and you know he, he does sit in the pocket maybe even for too long or not long enough. You know, There's so many you know, variables with this kid that you're not really sure where he can go. Will, will he 
be able to be better than Tua or will he, you know, fall under at FAU or FIU? Um, but going back to like what you said about the, the strong arms, Kalia has one of the strongest arms I've ever seen. He, he once threw a 10-yard um, in-route pass, hit a guy right in the chest, but it was thrown so hard he didn't have enough time to get his hands up to catch it. So, you, you know, take what you want from Talia, but hopefully uh, Butch Davis or Willie Taggart will be able to, uh, to mold him into something that they like. Sure, absolutely. I mean, Willie Taggart has, you know, experience when you go back to his days in USF with Clinton Flowers, you know, et cetera. He has experience with, you know, those smaller quarterbacks, but just an interesting stat. And once again, for the FIU fans listening, I know I tweeted this out. Uh, I know some FIU fans were exactly thrilled with me when I did. I'm not tweeting this out as to say there's not a possibility that Talia may come. It's just, you know, using my journalistic senses here, I had to go back and look at it because when Coach Davis said that he's never, you know, he's not a fan of the five, nine, five, ten quarterbacks, I had to look and see who was the shortest quarterback he's ever started in a full-time role. And that was one year in which he started uh, Cameron Sexton in North Carolina. I believe it was the 2010 year that uh, Cam Sexton took over TJ Yates. And Cam Sexton's 6-1. Outside of that, if you go back to his career at UM, Scott Covington, Kenny Kelly, Ken Dorsey, Ryan Clement, those are all 6-3 and above. Bryn Renner, who FIU fans know as a cornerbacks coach, he's 6'4". Um, TJ Yates is a legit 6'3". Of course, James Morgan is 6'5". Alex Magoo is 6'3 and change. So, you know, it's, it's at some point, and obviously Magoo wasn't recruited by, by Butch Davis, so, um, you know, that you take that into account. But James Morgan was someone who was brought in. You can't look at all these times, all these years, and say it's a coincidence that he hasn't started someone who's beneath six foot. But with that being said, you know, that's why we have A.J. on, who's just said that, hey, he doesn't believe that uh, Talia would have an issue as far as you know, delivering the passes. And, and I think, you know, once again, I want to protect the integrity of Coach Davis's quote. He was really talking about guys, and I, I don't say this in a disrespectful way, but maybe guys more so in the mold of Maurice Alexander, you know, those type of, uh, you know, or, or mm-hmm. a, a bigger name example, maybe, maybe like a Jalen Hurts or, you know, someone like that, you know, maybe a, a, a Pat White, to use a throwback example, someone who, who more is a, is a, you know, a shotgun type of runner type quarterback. But AJ says, that uh, Tulia is someone who can live with the football. Just one last thing for you really quick that um, I want to get your take on here. Uh, someone who's been around the program, just, you know, and you kind of touched on it, but I just want to ask you some specificity. As far as mm-hmm. Tulia as a recruit, because I know, you know, once again, you know, you're not plugged into the FIU program. Uh, I probably have my own biases as far as the quarterbacks are on roster because I've covered these guys and you have to talk to them. Well, AJ, one of the things that they've been able to do here with Coach Krosky and Coach Davis is that they've had, or excuse me, they've been able to sign their top two highest rated quarterback prospects in really program history in Stone Norton and Hayden Carlson. Now, with that being said, both guys were considered three-star prospects. Um, Stone Norton is a kid out of Nashville, Tennessee, who played in a, in a college-style offense under a former NFL quarterback there. Hayden Carlson is actually the son of a former NFL quarterback, so he has the bloodlines as far as that goes. Just, uh, you know, and I'm not asking you to compare Talia to those guys because you don't necessarily have the familiarity with those guys. Just for FIU fans who may be listening, as far as FAU fans as well, because they have Willie Taggart Jr., who they just signed, who uh, was a borderline three-star, four-star prospect, depending on, you know, what recruiting service you ask. Um, what mm-hmm. was uh, Talia Tugaviola when he came out of high school as far as just his star ranking? And, you know, I-, I think there's kind of been some question, just some curiosity amongst the guys here on the podcast. If and, and I hate to put it this way, but if his name was Talia, you know, Williams, would, it, would he have been, you know, that uh, that type of power five type of recruit? You know, 
it's interesting because you can go either way with it. Did his last name help him? Without a doubt, you know. I mean, especially going into his freshman year, that was um, what was it? It was right after you know Tua had that Heisman finalist uh, a season. So, did it help him? A hundred percent. Did it make him? Uh, no, it didn't. I, I think that wherever to uh, Talia goes, sorry, he will um, succeed and actually give whoever is the expected starter a run for their money. Now, as far as, you know, would he have gotten as many power five offers? Maybe, maybe not. I'm positive. He would have gotten some, he was heavily recruited by Tennessee. Um, there was a time after he committed to Alabama where he did visit Tennessee and he reportedly liked it down there, but stuck with his commitment to Alabama. That's one of the biggest reasons why I even mentioned Tennessee on my list was because it's not too far from what it's used to here in Alabama. And, you know, he was known to have liked it. Um, I think that he does go to a group of five school here, not because he can't go to a power five, <clears throat> but because he needs the ability to showcase his talents. And I think that especially FAU and FIU, me mainly FIU, um, would be the best uh, case scenarios for him to go out there, ball out, give whatever school he's going to a hundred percent. And I think, you know, he'd do a lot for Butch Davis as far as uh, putting a great name on that program and putting fans in the seats. Um, I, I think wherever he goes, he's going to go a long way with it. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap up and it's something we kind of talked about and you touched on as well, that one thing we do know that should he choose to attend FIU, uh, his name recognition would definitely help out. We've talked about some of the struggles of the attendance on this podcast. Uh, and in previous podcasts, so that's something that would definitely help. But, you know, uh, time will tell. We'll see where his destination ends up being. You know, as I mentioned, there are not just Stone Norton, Hayden Carlson, but you also have Kalen Wiggins and Caleb Lynham on the roster as well for FIU. So I'm sure that they'll be chomping at the bit. We'll have something to say should he arrive in Sweetwater. Uh, AJ, really quick, where can we find you on social media, my man? Um, you can go ahead and find me on Twitter at SpurFM. That's S-P-U-R-R and then the letters F-M. That's all together. Um, Instagram is just aj.spur and yeah, that's about it for me on, on, so I'm not, I'm really big on Twitter is my thing. I'm not too big on other socials. Absolutely. want to give you a chance to promote your, uh, your platforms where your work can be found. Once again, we have, uh, AJ Spur on the line. I want to thank you for joining us. He is found, he's a writer for at Roll Tide Wire, who's covering Alabama for USA Today. Uh, go ahead and go ahead ready and close this one up. Thank you for going and listening. Uh, we appreciate you guys for listening. And as always, Leave your feedback. The only way we can help this podcast grow is through your feedback. So please feel free to DM us, whether it's on the Shula Bowl Pod Twitter, at Shula Bowl Pod on Twitter, or whether it's at any of our personal podcast, in our personal Twitters, excuse me. You can find all of our handles at Shula Bowl Pod or DM at Five Reasons Sports. So you can find all of your FIU, FIU sports home and uh, South Florida sports in general. So please check us out. And lastly, this podcast can be found on Podbean at shulablepod.podbean.com. Thank you for listening. And I promise I will stop ending the podcast eventually with this uh, disclaimer. But please uh, continue to safely uh, social distance. And hopefully, you know, for the sake of us all, we can get a football season in with a packed house, whether that's at FAU, FIU, or at Bama. Uh, we'll shout out our guest there as far as the Crimson Tide goes. Thank you for listening and stay safe, everyone.